Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 3 Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings. NFL Injury Report will be looking at some early spreads, talking about the Monday Nighter and recapping what happened in Week 2 and discussing some running back snap shares. If you check the description of this podcast or the comment section of this video, you can find the entire list of injuries and the Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings in chronological order from one descending not some weird memento style order where 44 comes first and number one is Barry at the bottom no <laughs> i assure you people they go in order all the injuries are up there too that document will change all the way up until tuesday night if you're not familiar with how my column works the moment well not necessarily the moment i might be like an hour behind i don't know but as soon as injuries get released i will update the rankings and one big injury could cause a massive adjustment in the rankings you're going to want to pay attention to that all the way up until the time that the waiver wire actually closes. Now, we are live out here, so thank you all for joining us every Monday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be our time for the rest of the season. We decided, you know what, it's probably left to, best to let the morning gestate a little bit before we make some hot takes on what's going on. And if we had done it this morning, we would not have known that Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season or that Drew Brees is going to miss six weeks because, hey, that happened in the time between when we normally record and our new time. We still will be live 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings, however. That's somewhere where you can just kind of go into it. Uh, I got some giveaways. Number one, smash the like button for this episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, not the live chat, the comment section, and tell me your power ranking of the five top teams in the NFL. We'll be getting to that in just a second as well. Plus, the easiest draw to win every single week, leave an audio review on iTunes, five stars, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show. There was like three people who entered it last week, and you know, you got a 33% chance of winning that one. It's just a random draw. You can do this. So go leave that audio review. It really does help spread the show around. You can tell, like, friends, too. Like I always say, if you tell two friends, that means you don't have to listen to anymore, which means you'll probably, like, win money all of a sudden instead of just listening to this terrible advice. Anyway, the winners from last week of the 20 DK dollars, I got them right here. They're already credited. It is JDS Dog 10, Jordan L, Rottweiler 34, Monroe, Da Kitty, Blue Blood, 1809 Cass 316. It's no Austin 316, but it's Cass 316. M Cooch, Schwain Bomber, Subreal 87, Doodles 09. And those are the winners of the 20 DK dollars from week two, week three. Brand new set of opportunities to win. We got shows all week. We'll have nine of them in total. So you'll want to continue to stay tuned to that. And if any time that you see a new audio podcast come up, whether it be UFC, The Challenge, Golf, it's not football, download that shit anyway. You don't need to listen to it. Just download it, then erase it. We're trying to get to 15 million downloads for the year here. And with your help, I think that we can get there. Enough of this nonsense. Let's bring in the guests from DK Live. It is A. Steve Buchanan. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? How are you? It sounds like you used all your fab bucks to get a better internet connection. Well done. Yeah, no, I promised it. I needed to deliver. Here we go. All right, let's jump right into this because I think the big news is the two quarterback injuries that we've seen so far. Let's start with Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger getting elbow surgery. Can't be throwing dembos for the next few weeks or at least the rest of the season. He done. Mason Rudolph is now taking over under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All the hot talk on the interwebs is how this just absolutely torpedoes the Steelers season. But here's a hot take. Um, They weren't looking so hot with Ben Roethlisberger. 
So maybe <laughs> Mason Rudolph, I don't want to say is an upgrade, but maybe an upgrade over an injured Ben Roethlisberger because there's already rumors swirling that he's been dealing with this injury for like years now and it's really just catching up to him. Are you bailing on the Steelers' offense? Because I think Juju is going to be fine. I think this does wonders for Vance. And James Washington was Mason Rudolph's college teammate and they put up Boku numbers playing together. And Moncrief was basically a non-factor, only played like 30% of the snaps last week. Uh, Deontay Thompson actually played more than James Washington. But we can see this being a factor where it might be a nice time to buy low on some of these Steelers. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like you said, this offense looked a lot better once Rudolph came to this game. Like Ben Roethlisberger was doing his best Taylor Swift trying to shake off his elbow every time he made a pass attempt. But once he came into this game, he looked good. I mean, 12 for 19 on pass attempts, 112 yards, two touchdowns and interceptions. They actually look like they had a better chance of winning that game in the second half than when Ben was in the game. So I don't want to say it's an upgrade just yet, but yeah, from what we've seen from Ben, I don't see how you don't like the steals in this point. I think Rudolph is going to be a good thing for this offense here. So I think this is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, unfortunately, the schedule is pretty tough. So Mason Rudolph is an actual pickup to start in like your 12-team 1QB league. Then that's probably not going to go so well. If you play in a two-quarterback league, though, you probably have to spend all your fab money, right? This is a starting quarterback in an offense with legit playmakers. Even if you don't play him, you have to make sure that no one else gets him because you can you can severely hamper your opponent just by picking up a starting running back or a starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, even if you don't need Rudolph, it's one of those things, if you have a high waiver spot, just take him so nobody else can. Because like you said, this is a legitimate quarterback who, you know, we've seen do well in the preseason. Don't want to take too much of the preseason, but he's a capable quarterback and he's got some good offensive weapons around him. So even if you're just trying to block somebody else, it's not like the Dolphins are making a quarterback change and we have to go run out and get somebody. We're not trying to get Josh Rosen or anything at this point. There's some good weapons around around him for Rudolph, so I would definitely try to spend what you can to get him. Uh, before we dig deep into the actual waiver wire at each position, I want to continue talking about the Steelers just because James Conner is going to go for an MRI on his knee later today. This is a Monday, so if you're watching this on a Tuesday, it was last night. So if you know it's already happened and you know the result, I don't need you like, fuck off. I don't need to hear about that, all right? We're filming it at 1 p.m. on a Monday. So just remember that. It can't be changed. After You'd be surprised, Bukes, how often I deal with this shit. It just it incenses me to no end. Just I believe it. You, you, know, you know how you know, upset that I get about things. It's the little things like that that get to me. But I moved Jalen Samuel in the waiver wire rankings. I have him right now at number three. I think that Connor's going to be okay. However, if he's not, then Jalen Samuel is by far the number one pickup of the week, right? For sure. I mean, we saw, we heard all the offseason hype about Samuels, how he can do almost everything. He's kind of like the X factor in this offense, but hasn't really come through yet. Like, if anything, he's definitely been a disappointment. Even look at this game when Connor was hurt. He only had three carries for 18 yards, only one target for 13. But with if Connor's not in, I mean, we can realistically pencil him in for what, 15 touches in this game? That doesn't sound crazy because he's going to be the de facto number one here. I just think the talent alone with Samuels outweighs what he might or might not do here. Like regardless of how he hasn't been used through the first two weeks, there's definitely a lot of upside with him. And if Connor is out, yeah, absolutely. A rookie quarterback coming in, you know, has to learn the system here a little bit more. Now that he's a starter, I have no reason to believe why they wouldn't try to lean on Samuels, especially if Connor is out. So yeah, I think he's definitely, 
he might be number three right now, but I think he's definitely closer to number one. And one of the reasons that would lead me to believe that he would end up becoming the workhorse, one, we saw this when Connor got injured last year, that Jalen Samuel stepped into the spot and produced as a fantasy performer as a top waiver pickup sans Connor, depending on the length of time that he would be out. Then you're looking at a smash guy that could get upwards of like 20 touches every single week, especially with his utilization in the passing game. And then if you look at this game against the Seahawks, they were trailing a lot of the time. So maybe this was a factor. But after Connor went out and you just look at the overall snap share, Connor still played 59% of the snaps in this game. But you then look at Samuels, 39%, then Benny Snell, only 4%. So it wasn't like they were mixing him in uh, as like a two-headed monster. It did seem as soon as Connor left that it would be Jalen Samuels all the time. And that would be the part that I would actually put into. Like, if Connor's going to miss three weeks, then Samuels the number one pickup. If he's going to miss a week, you know, I wouldn't break my bank on him. But it would still probably make him the number one pickup of the week. No, for sure. And like, I kind of compare it to the 49ers, like Coleman's down, but we've been seeing this three-headed monster. We just saw it last week with Jeff Wilson and all that, you know, we'll talk about Wilson later, I'm sure. But it's not the case here with Pittsburgh. So I think that, you know, like you said, Samuels is definitely going to be the guy here, the workhorse. And I think that's someone you definitely want to lean on, especially if Connor is out. So from peak Ben downgrade to all of the Pittsburgh options, including the backfield, but from where Ben was so far this year, maybe it's a neutral situation and you just pray it gets a little bit better. But I did like that. It was almost like how when Hulk Hogan had the eyes for Miss Elizabeth, that Mason Rudolph has the eyes for Juju, which is exactly what you want to see if you're a Juju owner. No, 100%. I mean, Juju was, you know, we all love Juju coming into this matchup and, you know, pretty much busted this week, but not out of his control, you know, so, but I, I like the connection with him and Rudolph. I think that's going to be one that we can rely upon here because Dante Moncrief ain't going to do anything. He's about one game away from being cut. What an absolute disaster this guy has been with the Steelers. So yeah, Juju's going to be the guy here. I, yeah. I, I love Rudolph. I, I don't think he's getting enough love here already. All right. Like, would you start him at San Francisco this week? If like, he's not going to crack your top 15 quarterbacks of the week, is he? Cause he won't for me. No, he, he wouldn't crack it. And like we were talking about it last week, the 49ers defense has been looking pretty damn good so far. Like for a team that couldn't pay for a, a turnover last season, they've been getting them in bunches this year so far. But no, he's definitely not a start for me this week, but it, he's going to be the starter moving forward. And there's going to be a lot of matchups. You're going to want to use him down the road. So definitely just grab him just to stash him at this point. But it's I don't think it hurts the Steelers offense overall. Uh, Drew Brees is going to miss what appears to be approximately six weeks with this thumb injury. Uh, and that's going to be even tough to rehab from because it depends on how those ligaments end up coming back together. Like he couldn't even grip a football yesterday. We saw when he came back after half. It's like, oh, Drew Brees has his helmet on. He's going to come back in this game. And they cut to him trying to pick yep. up a football and he couldn't do it. This, I think, at least based on how Teddy Bridgewater played, and maybe it's because he was playing a better defense in the Rams than the Steelers were against the Seahawks, who just, you know, good run defense. They can get to the quarterback. But overall, I'm not super impressed so far, at least, with the Seattle defense and just the way that the Rams offense or defense can attack you uh, is what they were doing to Teddy Bridgewater. And he just kind of steps in. He's not Drew Brees, but Michael Thomas seems like he'll be okay. You hope Kamara's okay, but this is a severe downgrade almost across the board. I'm far more worried about Saints guys than I am about Steelers guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we just saw what the highest paid backup quarterback in the league can do, which was nothing. He looked awful, but... To be fair, he. when was the last time you threw a meaningful pass? Like 2015, maybe? And, I mean, I thought Joe Flacco had some wobbly passes last week. Teddy Bridgewater took the cake here. He looked absolutely awful. But then again, I mean, 
when you haven't thrown that really anything for years now and you have Aaron Donald in your face, not the best matchup to start him with, but I think this is such a severe downgrade for the Saints. Like Michael Thomas, I don't feel great about. Jared Cook, who just got away from Derek Carr, now has Teddy Bridgewater for the next six weeks or more. I, I'm not feeling good about the Saints here. I, I wouldn't waste my time at Bridgewater. I know he's going to be the starter. I know there's a lot of weapons in this Saints offense, but we're going to give him at least a couple of weeks to you know get back into the groove. And then by then, who knows how far along Drees is going to be. So if there's a quarterback you're picking, it's definitely Rudolph for me. Bridgewater just looked downright brutal last week yeah he needs to go back to the days when he was former president teddy throwsavelt and then all of a sudden he <laughs> would be much much better but michael thomas i can see he won't have the same upside but i think that his floor is still going to be pretty established here like even look at the target distribution in this game from breeze to bridgewater he still ended up with 13 targets like if you get targeted that many times in a game you're still going to produce fantasy numbers the problem is people who drafted michael thomas as the fourth overall receiver thinking that he would yeah. have the potential to be the number one overall guy i think that's probably out of the question but i still think that he's a top 10 guy uh, at least until breeze comes back and then maybe he can build some eh, some 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 momentum and come back in the later part of the season and maybe be the number one fantasy wide receiver down the stretch which i think that he'll be good enough in the meantime that he's not taking you actively out of things kamara could be a different story though yeah see well that's what i wonder too like because obviously kamara was a total bust last week like you know it was in a one of those huge spots potential shootout here and just absolutely nothing like i was actually surprised they weren't utilizing him more once uh breeze was out of this game which was rather quickly too the other thing i'm more i'm wondering about too is i don't know is Taysom hill totally out of the mix here you know we know the saints love using him he comes in for breeze every once in a while but if bridgewater continues to look like he is is hill totally out of the mix here like I'm not saying go pick him up by any means, but there is another option here in this offense. I don't know how good it is, but at least with Bridgewater, like he just showed absolutely nothing here. So that's just another thing I'm considering too when I think about Bridgewater. Unless there's an injury to Teddy B or he is just an absolute disaster. And I would expect him to be better this time around at Seattle. Just you know, their past defense looks a bit weak, at least through two weeks, that maybe he can get something going with a week to prepare. Maybe he's a bit more ready for some game action. But Taysom Hill just seems like a gadget player for the Saints. Like, yeah. he'll, he'll he'll get a few snaps in the backfield. He'll probably take a few rushes. He had three targets yesterday. Like, Traquan Smith goes down, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Taysom Hill is playing wide receiver. So it doesn't seem like they actively want to use him in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually went out and signed another quarterback to be the actual backup to Teddy Bridgewater. No, for sure. And, you know, I, I think it's definitely a factor here. But, yeah, we'll see what Bridgewater does with a week under his belt here because, you know, obviously has time to prepare. You don't want to get thrusted in that type of atmosphere on the road against the Rams. I mean, it, it was a really, really bad spot for him to get thrown in there. Like I said, Donald in his face all in the game, too, as well. So we'll see here. It, if you have Michael Thomas on your team, good things are going to happen. At least you can feed the ball to him. But, man, it's not looking good for the Saints right now. It's such a such a downgrade. Well, fantasy owners are going to be relatively pensive about the upside of both Juju and Michael Thomas. If you had to try to buy low for one of them right now, which one would you try to buy low on? Uh, I think it's got to be Juju. I, I just think Rudolph has more capabilities. Like like I said, back in the preseason, like, he looked pretty damn good too. Like, If it wasn't for Ben Roethlisberger having a total lockdown on this spot, Rudolph could very well be in, in competition for the quiet uh, QB1 spot. So I, I think it's Juju in this spot. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would actually actively go try to If you can get Juju right now for like 85 cents on the dollar, which I think is entirely plausible, then I'd say you probably go do it, right? Yeah, definitely. 
Wouldn't be paying full price, though, for old Juju at this point in time. Let's get to our power rankings of the NFL. So, I can only come up with four teams. I don't know who that fifth team is. So, if I do the really? giveaway. Yeah, if I do the giveaway this week, I, I think this is what I said off the top. If it isn't, then there's a second giveaway. Smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. And rank your five overall teams in the NFL. Not fantasy-wise, actual NFL for this giveaway, at least, right now. Um I got New England at number one, Kansas City at number yep. two, the Cowboys at number three, the Rams at number four, and question mark at number five. I think that, I mean, Philly should have won on Sunday night. It's like if Aguilar doesn't drop that coming down the stretch or they could play a modicum of pass defense and they would have been fine, but you know, they have all of these injuries now that we're going to get to here in a minute. So it could be them. The Packers are 2-0, and although they don't look very inspiring. The Bills or 2-0, but they haven't played a real opponent yet, so that's a bit tough. The Niners are in for a more decent test, I think, this week um, at home against the Steelers, even with a backup quarterback. Baltimore looks frisky. They're 2-0. Like, who would be the fifth team for you, and do you have the same top four as me? So I have the Pats, the Chiefs. I have Ravens at three, the Rams at four, and then the Cowboys at five. Say that again? Pats, yeah. Chiefs, yeah. Ravens, Rams, Cowboys. I'm still hesitant on the Ravens. That's all I'll say. I, okay, so I I agree with you here, but it's gelled so well for two weeks. Like it wasn't like a good week one performance and then an okay week two performance. Like it just kept rolling. And now they're going to face the Chiefs in week three. Like, it's not a defense that's going to stop them necessarily, you know? So, like, I think that's going to end up being a pretty close game. And, you know, it could end up being a fast-paced game with the way these teams have been playing. Like, I, I just like the Ravens a lot in this spot. I was a bit pensive on Lamar Jackson, you know, saying, you know, how he doesn't usually pass like this. But now we're seeing it two weeks in a row. Should continue again in week three here. Like, I don't see, I don't see how they can't be in the top three. They just haven't played anyone is the thing. They played a crappy Arizona team and they played the Dolphins. Like, it's easy for your offense to look good against those teams. And your defense, like, their defense didn't even look particularly great against Kyler Murray. Now, maybe Kyler, I'm underrating right. how good Kyler Murray is, but I was shocked that they didn't make him look a lot worse as a rookie QB in his second game. Like, I think for me, it boils down to, I think the Ravens are definitely in the mix for the number five team. The Packers, but really that's more of the defense and the offense like I don't think their offense has been particularly good they at least got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams going on the ground and you could say yeah. the Vikings but the, Kirk Cousins looks terrible like just legit awful oh. the Bears again also looked legit terrible so maybe they just played two bad offenses like in week two it's really hard to wrap your mind maybe you decide with Aaron Rodgers and say you know what he went up against two good defenses he looked bad in week one he looked better in week two but like where do you stand on the Packers because I'm having a really tough time wrapping my mind around where they're at right now well it was good to see that they got Devontae Adams back in the meek uh sorry back in the mix in week two because he had one of his worst games in week one but really if it wasn't for Aaron Jones in that game like that offense would have been pretty stagnant like Rodgers doesn't look that efficient right now like if it wasn't for Adams and wasn't for Jones I mean man this offense would be dead in the water right now so I, I'm not completely sold on the Packers yeah thank God their defense is doing their job because that's really what's carrying the team at this point what I feel like like I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Rodgers at this point I just don't feel like he's not sharp I just I can't put my finger on it but it's like when I look at it I'm like something just isn't right here with him and like I said if it wasn't for Devontae Adams I mean this this offense would be in trouble so 
thankfully they had a big game from Aaron Jones this week because I think otherwise that would have been a really poor game for them. I'll go with Green Bay as my number five team at the moment. Just blind faith in Aaron Rodgers that he'll eventually get this figured out. If he starts playing like 80% Aaron Rodgers, then all of a sudden, along with this defense that looks pretty good, then Green Bay is going to be a force. They play Dallas in two weeks, I believe it is. That's going to be a really good game. Uh, I'm excited to see it. And you could even make the same case, really, uh, for we're not going to really know the true Cowboys team really until they play the Packers. I mean, they play the Giants and they play the Redskins, which could be two of the worst five teams in the league. And now they get the dolphins this week so what do we really know yeah yeah when you play when you play the computer against easy the offense looks really good you go online to play someone you get beat 70 to nothing so that's going to be a bit of a tougher test i think like it's going to take the schedule does it feel like the schedule has just worked out really wonky with a few of these teams where they just got like three weeks of cupcakes and we're not going to really know until october well, I mean, look at the Patriots schedule. The Patriots schedule, especially near the end of the year, is just absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, I don't think when the schedule was made, we knew the Dolphins were going to be as bad as they were. Like, we knew they were going to be bad. Don't get me wrong. But like Fitzpatrick, Rosen, that offensive line, just an absolute disaster. Like, it is so, so bad. Like, they're a layup at this point here. So, yeah, but the schedule definitely was a little bit wonky here, especially for some of these teams. I mean, the Cowboys have had a great schedule. The Michael Gallup injury is a little concerning because that's that's been their best deep threat so far this year. And I know he's getting an MRI or whatever. That would be a pretty big hit to them. But, yeah, some of these teams are just absolute cakewalks to start the year. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a chance, too. Like, I wouldn't, if Michael Gallup ends up missing time, maybe this is the reason Devin Smith was able to get so open down the field. But it seems like they have another deep threat now healthy, just waiting in the wings to potentially take over that role if Gallup does end up missing time. He's going for his MRI this evening, and I guess we'll know more about him. It didn't... I, it's a weird one because it wasn't really reported until well after the game was over. Like it didn't seem to affect him during the game. And then reports trickled out during the Sunday nighter that he'd be going for this MRI. So I don't know if that means it's significantly worse and it was hidden and he started like feeling discomfort well after the fact, or people were just lazy in reporting. I, it's hard to tell which one it was. <laughs> well, it was like Devin Funches last week when I woke up and it broke his collarbone. I was like, what the hell? When did that happen? I had no idea, but I guess Gallup wasn't, um, in during the late in the fourth quarter which you know really people don't notice that but yeah that was one of the ones that kind of caught me off guard just like uh Funches in week one uh so before we get into the full injury report at running back i just want to talk about some takeaways from week two number one the question that i had the most uh, concerning my josh jacob shares going into the season is if they got behind in a game would he be the one catching passes and being on the field in these third down situations and the answer is no he's not uh he touched the ball nine times no catches yeah still almost ended up with 100 yards against this very weak kansas city rush defense but as soon as they got down we saw an awful lot of jalen rocket richard and deandre washington like it, it was not inspiring i was hoping that if he could and maybe he will eventually take over that role but for the time being like he has to stay outside of the top 10 overall running backs unless they're playing in close games and maybe this week against minnesota it will be a closer game just because i don't know if the vikings offense can move the ball whatsoever but 46 percent of the snaps for josh jacobs 31 percent for richard 23 percent for washington in games that they're going to be winning he's going to be up like last week, around like 74 to 80% of the snaps in games that they're winning. He's still going to monopolize all the goal line work if they can actually find their way down to that part of the field. And uh, my producer, Paul, pointed this out to me last night is that 
it's a lot like Matt Nagy with Trubisky last year. Remember the first month of the season, the Bears would be like absolute fire through a quarter and a half on offense? It seems like the scripting for Gruden, at least to start these games on the first two drives, works really well. It's the moment they need to make adjustments is that they're dead in the water. Yeah, because the Raiders went up pretty quick, 10 nothing in this game, and we were like, okay, like, Maybe Gruden's got something going on here. And then it was like, uh, it's like deflating a balloon. Like that was it. That's all we saw from the Raiders. And it's really disappointing because if there was a matchup that Jacobs could really kind of come through and see what they had for plans for him, this would have been the one. I mean, obviously the Chiefs are a soft defense against the run, pretty much a soft defense overall. And it was pretty disappointing. And yeah, like Jalen getting in the mix, uh, Washington getting in the mix, like that's not what we're really looking for here with Jacob. So it was a massive, massive disappointment for him because a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him this week coming into the week. Like you'd be crazy to bench him in this for, uh, in any format against the chiefs. And you probably actually could have got away with benching him. So it was pretty disappointing to see. And for the rest of the season, there's still so much time to, to go, but, kind of the stock is falling on him pretty quickly i i don't know how far it's going to fall like i had expectations that if he could be a three down back that he could challenge being a top five running back overall in fantasy without that element of receiving just to to at least create a floor for ppr points and there's like there's him uh he doesn't catch any passes rashad penny doesn't really catch any passes and mark ingram doesn't really catch any passes like those are the three guys that if you're playing non-ppr their value i mean it goes down because still receiving gives you extra opportunity to score but in terms of ppr scoring which we generally talk about on the show then it does really cap what his upside is like chris carson is the other one whose stock goes down a little bit uh he ended up with a few catches that was nice but he put the ball on the ground pete carroll benches him all of a sudden that he's no longer on the field in pass catching situations all of a sudden cj pro sites apparently he's still alive and now he's playing for the seahawks again and then rashad penny is all of a sudden getting worked in that i still think carson's the guy to own he's still a top 20 potentially top 10 back if he can reclaim this job but these fumbling problems are super concerning because if it happens again it just might be a switch between him and penny and i'm, I'm not liking that too much steve no, and, uh, you know, that was one of the things I was actually going to bring up here, like the second game in a row that he fumbled. And, you know, we always had this perception that Penny could end up taking the, this role at some point. But Carson's basically handing it to him at this point. Like if ball security is going to be an issue, especially over in Seattle, we know that they have no problem making the switch here. So, yeah, I, I'm keeping my eye on Penny in this spot because Carson's got to fix that quick because Penny is breathing down his neck here. Obviously not the ideal player you want handling the bulk of the carries here, but Carson's not doing himself any favors. He's got to, got to get a handle on that. Uh, The top three, like most ridiculous things that stuck out to me for the week. One was in the Titans game uh, against the Colts. Just, it, it, don't ever go back and watch that game. It's, it's truly horrendous, <laughs> but there was a third and 10 that Taja Sharp had at the like, if he just caught the ball and dropped, he had the first down. But he tried to like cut back past like the first down marker to make someone miss, and they ended up like fourth and two and ended up punting from it. Like it was just a complete bonehead move. Allen Robinson got bailed out at the end of that Chicago and Denver game because I mean, a yes. Trubisky got bailed out with a nonsense roughing the passer call, but. If Allen Robinson, like he did, he took the two steps and then he dropped. Like, how aren't you? How isn't the discussion in the huddle? Hey, if you catch this, drop immediately so we can call a timeout. Like, they didn't review the timeout. Like, they were just convinced. Like, oh yeah, of course there's a second on the clock. Don't worry about that. Like, that just seemed really weird to me. 
I mean, I wouldn't say Allen Robinson is probably the most intelligent man with some of the decision makings he makes on the field anyways, but there was a few plays like that during the week. Like, I don't know, you practice all week. Like this isn't like something you should know to, ahead of time and all this is clock management just seems to be like a, a forgotten practice so far uh, in the 2019 season. It's uh, definitely made its presence known so far. And the other one, which I think wins the week, is Kalen Blage ducking at a screen pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> just letting it drop to the ground. Like, how, how is Kenyon Drake playing every snap? Like, if this is what your alternative is, I, I get that you're trying to tank, but just playing Kenyon Drake over Kalen Bellage, uh, I don't think it's going to affect the scores all that much. And at least Drake's not going to act. Maybe they told Bellage, like, you know what? If someone passes you the ball, here's what you do: don't catch it, pretend it's a missile, and get out of the way of it. Like. <laughs> It blew my mind. I I thought I had heard early Sunday that Drake was actually on the trading block for the Dolphins. So I was actually curious on how much usage he was actually going to get in that game. I haven't seen anything since about that, but I'm pretty positive I saw that Sunday morning. Yeah, that popped up. Minka Fitzpatrick also apparently, at least reportedly, uh, demanded a trade from the Dolphins, which, you know, I don't blame the guy, but eventually some of these guys have to start playing out their contracts past, like, year two of the deal. But, hey, if you got the leverage to get out of Miami right now, that's probably the move that you want to make. Yeah, Drake's on the trading block. I think that Drake is good. Uh, he played 55% of the snaps yesterday. Balazs played 34%, and Walton played 16%. Again, you can find all of these snap shares in the description of this podcast or video right now if you just want to see the overall bulk percentages that all of these running backs played it's in my column up on dkplaybook.com as well when do you like are any dolphins startable even in these garbage times it doesn't seem like they are like i want to play preston williams a lot but (laughs) do i want him catching passes from ryan fitzpatrick or josh rosen like I, i i don't care what you say like josh rosen should be the starter here not because he deserves it but holy shit, how bad was Ryan Fitzpatrick yesterday? Like uh, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick of old from last year when he started out on fire, he's gone. The cake is caught up to him. He's hungry. He wants to get off the field. I don't know what it is at this point, but Fitzpatrick, it, it, it just, it takes away from all the Dolphins receivers. Like they're going to be constantly playing from behind. And, you know, obviously that means that like, you'd want to use some of these receivers, but I can't put anybody in like they can't score. Their offensive line can't stop anybody at this point. It's just, they're not playable. You, you can't play them at all. One of the things that uh, the guy I was watching the games next to, uh, we, we sit at the bar. I have two laptops in front of me, an iPad, and the rest of the team, rest of the games on a big screen. So we can watch all of them. It's, it's tough when they just overload the early slate with like 10 games. Then you're talking about yes. like a lot of screens. It's hard to get like 10 screens in front of you at once. You need to have red zone on one of them just in case you miss something out of the corner of your eye. But we had Patriots Dolphins on like the far end of like our right. And he just kept looking at me. He's like, do the Dolphins ever have the ball? He's like, I've looked at that game three times and they just don't have it and one of the biggest the most tilting thing i think that happened on sunday was sony michelle scoring that touchdown them even reviewing it and not giving him the touchdown like oh i know that was really bizarre it it was bizarre there was a lot of bizarre plays last week i'm trying to think of um who who got in at the end i'm trying to think and they ended up taking it back oh fournette I think it was Fournette where he, where he should have had that touchdown, I think it was. Like, Fort, he definitely, like, do you Fort, know which one I'm talking about? Are you talking about Fournette on the two-point conversion? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's I, the one. That at least, I mean, that one all depended on what they called on the field. That was really close. I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn a non-touchdown call, but I also don't think that there would have been enough evidence if they had called it a touchdown to call it not a touchdown. That just all of a sudden depended on what they had just called on the field, that it was so clustered. It was like the can- like you couldn't get a decent-sized camera angle at it. That, it, that was yeah. just a no-win situation. Although, I will say... You have Minshew Walk playing well for the first time all game, and you take the ball out of his hands. Just let him run around like a maniac back there. That that was clearly working. Yeah, the, I was really confused by that one because you, you thought that they were going for the two points because, exactly, he's got the hot hand right now. Why wouldn't you have him go into the end zone and toss it to somebody? But, yeah, the play calling for Fournette there, it was really odd. I mean, at least from my vantage point, you know, who gives a crap what I think, but I thought he had made it in there, but that was a pretty heartbreaking uh, loss for them because yeah, he, he looked fantastic near the end there. That was really uh, disappointing to not see him get the least toss for the two points there. Yeah. So it was a good day. If you were following along, I think Cust is actually going to win the spread picks this week. Uh, he has 11 wins against oh, the spread so far. Good. After he won four last week, I think I'm like even for the, <laughs> but I, I, the whole key is like no no one bets all 16 games and this is kind of the thing that you need to realize you need to really whittle it down i've been playing props like crazy so far this year and i love smashing props. props so i gave out two spreads both winners gave out four props and a 10 to 1 prop parlay with those four props all winners buke then i hit ridley again in the sunday nighter and i got one for tonight although the juice on it might be a bit too much i'm waiting for it to adjust but right now it's i believe it's 70 three and a half yards over on Odell Beckham. Like they're force feeding Odell tonight, right? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he takes everything personally. Like Like whatever is said about him in the media, he like consumes it. And now he's going to be back in New York. Greg Williams. I mean, there's just a lot to like here for Odell tonight. Like uh, he's going to be force fed the ball. Absolutely. Yeah, he's 5-1 to one to score the first touchdown. I don't know if I love that, but I can see them actively going to him to try to get him that touchdown. Just the Jets have no secondary. Like You can you could have, you could have passed all, all over them all last year. Now they're completely banged up. I guess the one case against him is that if you believe the spread, it's 6.5 right now um, you know, with no Sam Darnold playing in this game and Trevor Simeon. And although I'm not super convinced that the, the Browns end up covering that spread, we'll, we'll see how they are. But if they do jump out to a big lead, they're just going to end up running the ball the entire time. No, for sure. And I'm actually with you. I don't know if the Browns can cover here because at least if we're going off of what we saw in week one, it didn't look that great, right? I mean, obviously it's week one. There's still a lot to work out here and the Jets are a much softer uh, matchup in this spot. But yeah, I'm still not convinced on the Browns. I mean, they're one of the only teams we haven't seen twice yet. So yet to be seen. But yeah, I I was looking at that six and a half spread and I was actually had to think about it. I, I didn't have like a feeling either way. Yeah, it's a complete no bet for me. I think I, on the show that I have the Browns uh, at the old spread, the, the two and a half, which I'm pretty excited about because I think I'm the only one that has it. And show picks are show picks. But uh, at six and a half, when I would actually have to bet it right now, I don't know if I like either side of this game. And like I said, that prop is, I'll get you the actual prop right now. First touchdown is five. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, one of the biggest jokes for props last week is I had John Brown over four and a half receptions at plus money. 
like you need to always be looking at these props. Like it is the softest way to beat your book because four and a half for John Brown after he just came off seven receptions, 10 targets in week one. And then the matchup this week, like that was just an absolute joke. It's funny. I actually had a John Brown prop as well. It was over 52 and a half yards and he crushed that yeah, that's... seven for 70. But I mean, Josh Allen overthrew him on like a 60 yard touchdown as well. A 52 it, yarder. Yep. It, it's really tough when Josh Allen takes like a seven step, seven step drop scrambles around a bit and then launches it too far down the field. <laughs> he threw it like 80 yards. It's like, Oh, good. Take away some of the. But zip. that's what's going to happen with Josh Allen. Like that's Josh Allen in a nutshell. Like he's a great fantasy asset. He can do it with his arm. He can do it with his leg. But baby, when he launches that thing, cover your eyes. <laughs> it's he, usually not pretty. I mean, it, granted, he's played both New York teams, which really isn't saying much at this point, especially on defense. But his ability to like, he's not. He didn't make any bonehead throws. Re, like that cost him at least on Sunday, and he made some at the re- end there. But yeah. And he made some really nice throws, like on the run, like eluding pressure, rolling out. Like he's, yes, he's going to run a ton, and that's great. And they will have designed runs for him in the red zone, uh, which is only going to help his fantasy value. We t- saw him do, do basically a sweep to the right hand side with Frank Gore as the lead blocker, and boom, he gets in for the touchdown. But like, <laughs> that was roll- smooth. But like rolling out to his right, he can. I don't want to say it's Aaron Rodgers esque because, but like the arm strength wise is what I'm talking about. Josh Allen sucks compared to Aaron Rodgers, but his ability to not have his feet planted and just still be able to put an absolute laser zip on the ball, like 25 yards down the field, like on an out strike is really impressive. Well, it's funny because I always say that Eli Manning never plants his feet when he throws and he throws garbage. (laughs) Like Josh Allen's the complete opposite. He doesn't have to. And he just absolutely zips the ball. Like if you want to see like from one side to the other, Manning and Allen, that's the comparison. Yeah. So right now it sucks. The two that I like are just, you're paying a ton of juice on them. So Odell over, it's now 81 and a half receiving yards. I still like the over on that. And I would actually take the over on Jamison Crowder. Uh, four and a half receptions only because I think that Denzel Ward's probably going to lock down Robbie Anderson pretty effectively in this game. And what's Simeon going to do? He's going to check down. So the play actually might be Bell's. I don't like it's over under four and a half receptions for Le'Veon Bell. That's a lot. But if it's just check down city, and if you think that this game script goes the way that Vegas thinks it does, and the Jets are going to be playing from behind, he should be able to get to that total pretty quickly, I think. I would think so too, but I do like that crowd to wonder a little bit more. I think it's safer. I mean, yeah, I don't want to say but, that, but, you know, Bell's boy, playing well, hurt because obviously if the shoulder injury is an issue. Here, here's the difference though. Like, would you rather bet Jamison Crowder over four and a half receptions minus 160 or even money four and a half? Like, it, it's really a three to two bet if yeah. you make it that way. So I, I think I'd probably take the, the even money on it because I'd have to risk it. Oh, less. for sure. I mean, always taking the even money. Yeah, I mean, if it was minus 120, I'd take Crowder, but minus 160, like, it's a pretty penny. That's, a that's 60, too much. That's 60 yeah, cents. Yeah, that's too much. I, I don't like that at all. So, captain spot for DraftKings tonight. So, would you go Beckham, or would you say, like, is there any way you're stacking Jets in your showdown contest? Because that's clearly going to be the contrarian play. I mean, if you want to try to win it, you know, I guess you could do that. But it's funny, we we're actually talking about this earlier, and there's not a lot of appealing plays I see overall. Like obviously Beckham you're looking at, but there's no, if, if you, there's any jet you're probably going to put in the captain spot, it would probably have to be bell because like, even with Crowder, he caught 14 balls last week. He couldn't even reach a hundred yards for Christ's sake. Like if he's just going to be get, I mean, if you're going to get the receptions, that's fine, but he just doesn't get the yardage. Like bell at least feels like the safer play 
as long as he can get over those offensive offensive line woes. But it probably is Bell or Beckham, which is not very exciting to talk about. Well, I mean, you can go purely off the board here. The Browns just promoted former Jets running back Lizzie McGuire to the active roster because Dontrell Hilliard is out with a concussion. So not only does he maybe know the Jets playbook a little bit, they might try to sneak him a touchdown here near the goal line because they gave Hilliard a goal line touch last week and took it away from Chubb. Why not let Lizzie McGuire stick it to his old team? So here's the thing that sucks. He's not even in the player pool. Ah, that I see. I, I should have really scanned the entire. I assumed he was like 200 bucks. So the funny thing was, is I looked that up because I'm like, oh, that'd be like a sneaky captain's play. Nope. Nope, I, I, not I, even there. I wonder if he's on the first touchdown board. I should look that up right now. Maguire, 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 Maguire. No. God, that'd be like, what, 2,000? <laughs> no, I, I mean, he would probably end up being like 50 to 1, but he is not currently on it. Trevor Simeon, 40 to 1 is kind of interesting because he does run around a little bit. Like, he's not afraid to call his own number. But do you think that, that for the first touchdown, I mean, he wouldn't just hand it off the bell at that point? I'm thinking like third and seven from the or third and goal from the seven yard line. Like you're not handing it off. Then he drops back to pass. All of his receivers suck. So they're all covered. And then just like a lane opens up in the middle. It's like whoop, 40 to one. Boom. There we go. For, oh, that's not bad for 40 to one though. That's actually, mm, I'm going to end up making that bet. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be pissed to you later. Hey, yeah, you, you check out my Instagram feed or my Twitter account. I'll have my actual props. If I decide to play any tonight, like I'm not committed to any so far. I haven't actually thrown down just this. I, I there's so many unknowns about this game that it does really feel like a stay away to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't have a lot of interest in this game overall. There's just too many factors on both sides that we have to think about that. I think this is just a stay away. There's a lot to like in uh, week three. Okay, let's get to the actual waiver wire pickup power ranking, starting with the injury report at running back. Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy both sustained injuries. Damian Williams' knee, LaShawn McCoy's ankle. Early reports say the Damian Williams stuff isn't super serious, uh, so he would be, I guess, okay uh, for the moment. Shady is going for an MRI on his ankle, which, again, these are complete unknowns as the updates still haven't happened yet. You know what? I'll, I'll give a refresh one more time just in case there's some breaking news. No, it's all about how Eli's still starting. That's good. Fantastic news for the Giants. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a tank. Uh, so those are the two that I'd be most concerned about. And then all of a sudden, I know that uh, Daryl Williams was the one who ended up playing the higher percent snap share, but it was Darwin Thompson who's, you know, A, the better running back. And he is the one who got the carry after Shady had to exit the game at the very end in absolute garbage time. I initially thought the Shady thing was not going to be a big deal whatsoever. Like, oh, he just hurt his ankle a bit, limped off to the sidelines. They were up by 18 anyway. Here, Darwin Thompson, you go in the game and get a carry. We're just icing it anyway. But maybe it is a bit more substantial than that. I still think that Thompson is a great stash for the rest of the year, only because if you can get access to running back one in this offense, like if the other two guys go down, you have a top five running back on your hands. And that is the sort of stash that I would want to make. Uh, but I can see that if you play in like a shorter bench league um, or you just have too many injuries overflowing that you might have had to drop him. I would still keep him for the moment, though. Yeah, I don't mind keeping him. Like, he wouldn't be a start for me this week, even if both of those guys were out. He wouldn't, just, he wouldn't we've be. Seen how good what, are you, what are you talking about? He wouldn't be a start for you if both those guys Against were out. Against the Ravens? Give, yeah, give your head a shake. He'd be a 90% back in the Chiefs offense. Like, if, if Damian Williams is healthy and LaShawn McCoy sits, Damian Williams is going to be a top 15 running back this week. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think I respect the Ravens defense more than you do. Yeah, apparently I so. Just, like, not, I, I wouldn't be crazy about him here. Okay, well, 
let me put this into some perspective for you. So here are the running backs last week that played over 70% of the snaps. There was two guys over 90, the 90% club. It has two members. McCaffrey played 100% of the snaps. Fournette played 93. The 80% club, only Saquon Barkley. Over 70% of the snaps, Zeke, Eckler, and Cook. If both those guys are out and Darwin Thompson plays, he's above that 70% mark. If it's just Damian Williams, he's probably also yep. above that 70% mark. And if that's the case, those are guys that you play. That's, that's where all the volume is coming from. Okay, so would you play him over Carlos Hyde? If McCoy and Damian Williams were out? Yeah, oh yeah, just taking guys off the wire, yeah. Yeah, 100%. If if I knew okay. both those guys were out, I would definitely play Darwin Thompson over them, but we're not going to know that until waivers pass, which is part of the problem. Right. So, that that's yeah, the issue I, that we I, deal I mean, with. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's the issue that we're going to have to deal with, that I wouldn't drop him. But if he's not going to go for a lot of money unless that we know that both those guys are out, and it's it's probably unlikely that both of them would be out. I'm just saying that he's a nice stash to have on your bench. Like, it's him. Madison is a good stash to have because it does appear like him. He will have the lead over Abdullah if anything happens to Delvin Cook, that those are the two guys right now that I'm really eyeing to be, like, your primary handcuffs. No, and I agree with that. Like I said, like, I think he's a good stash talking about Thompson here. Like, cause definitely the injuries are a concern here. Anybody who's in the chiefs offense can get something down here. So I, I definitely agree with that, but I like Carlos Hyde a lot here. Uh, 20 carries 90 yards last week. Isn't getting targeted um, in the passing game, but that really hasn't been a factor for him since the, uh, he left the 49ers here, but I, I, I like him a lot uh, moving forward. He seems like the, to be the de facto number one here. Duke Johnson just hasn't been getting it done. He had a nice week one, but really isn't getting much work in the passing game either, which is kind of kind of disappointing because that seemed like the type of guy that they wanted and needed. That's why they traded for him, but he just really hasn't been getting it. Yeah, I think that a lot of Duke Johnson's receiving prowess is really going to rely on the health status of Kiki Cutie. Anytime that Kiki Cutie is not active, which is probably going to be like half the time because he's always hurt, then Duke has more roles and more routes to run in this offense when Kiki is healthy, that he gets a lot of the Duke Johnson type slot work and those short end passes. So I'd keep an eye on their correlation together. If you're thinking about starting Duke Johnson right now, he'd be a very bottom end flex start, uh, maybe against the chargers. If it's a higher shootout game, I'm with you on Hyde. I just want to run through more of these injuries here. Devin Singletary, uh, he cramped up with his hamstring towards the end of the giants game. No word on his status yet. Uh, James Conner, he's getting the MRI on his knee. David Johnson hurt his wrist, but he did return to the game. Tevin Coleman's still going to be out three to five weeks with a high ankle sprain. Dontrell Hilliard's going to miss the Monday nighter with a concussion. Darius Geis has been placed on injured reserve. Josh Jacobs did cramp up a bit in that game, and maybe that was the reason he wasn't on the field, but it feels like if they actually needed some touchdowns that they would have put him back out there. I don't know about that. That's just pure speculation on my part, but this didn't seem like good news uh, for his upside moving forward. So the actual rankings as it pertains to running back, I'm with you. Carlos Hyde is my number one pickup of the week. I don't think he's a make or break user number one waiver priority, but if you need a guy to start, who's like, okay, he's the guy, Uh, Frank, (laughs) Frank Gore, kind of the same thing. If Singletary doesn't play, he's playing all the snaps anyway, that he would be number two. Jalen Samuels, unless we hear more about James Conner, he's going to stay at number three. Thompson's going to have his role every single week. These are PPR rankings, by the way. Raheem Mostart, Malcolm Brown, Justin Jackson, Gio Bernard, Darwin Thompson, and Kalen Balaj would be my top ten pickups. There's not one guy on that waiver wire, honestly, that I'm super excited to go out and get, uh, especially with no bye weeks yet, that if you're in dire straits dealing with injuries, Hyde and Gore are guys that you can plug in as 
low, low, the lowest of low end running back twos, probably like middle fle- middle tier flex plays, but they're not going to kill you. Like even looking at the snap shares for them in week two, where's Houston on this list here? I probably should have highlighted them. Buffalo, uh, Gore played 59% of the snaps and he was utilized near the goal line. Uh, and I think they just like him on the field as a veteran presence, like maybe to calm the nerves or pass block or whatever it might be to, to keep Josh Allen in check. And, well, that might not look good when you actually watch it play because every time Singletary touches the ball, he's awesome, it seems, and Gore just runs up the middle for three yards every time, then he's getting the playing <laughs> time. And you just can't overlook that when it comes to a certain point, especially if it's near the goal line. And in Houston, Carlos Hyde ended up with 61% of the snap share in, in games where they're going to be favored. They were eight and a half points this week. Now the Jags actually made it close, and that was, a, again, until the final drive of the game, a horrendous game to watch. But Hyde was effective enough, and he got a ton of carries. You're right. He's not going to do a ton in the passing game. Frank Gore is probably not going to do a ton in the passing game. But they're absolute patchwork players, a lot like Peyton Barber, in a sense, where you don't ever want to start these guys. But if you do, they might get eight points. And frankly, that's better than most guys off the waiver wire. (laughs) Yeah, at least with Gore, too. Like, TJ Yeldon has been, like, a complete non-factor since he joined the bills like he's played 21 snaps combined 16 of those have been like in a returner's role so it's not like they're using him in the backfield and yeah like you said Gore's getting the looks on the goal line too so if he can sneak in a touchdown you know so be it i totally get it like i feel dirty playing gore and season long you know daily fantasy whatever it is like i think he's like 97 years old at this point at least he runs like it but he somehow still gets it done like it's, it's pretty amazing so Hyde and gore i definitely agree with but yeah, these are not guys you're rushing out and using your number one claim for. This is one of those weeks where it's just, you know, eh, it's okay if you need to put a Band-Aid on something right now. But these are definitely not high-priority guys by any means. Yeah, it'll be hiding gore for me, like I mentioned, unless something happens to James Conner. James Conner's out for two or more weeks. Samuels is definitely the number one pickup. And frankly, Thompson is probably best for the long term in this situation, but he's just going to be a PPR flex every single week because the skins are no good. He's going to catch his five passes for 37 yards, like basically as a floor every single week. Maybe he can do more. I like him a lot, but if Singletary misses time, which we don't know yet, uh, and or Hyde, I just think they're better bets for a touchdown on a week-to-week basis. And if that's what you're playing for, like if you're going to the waiver wire, be like, man, I need a running back and I need to play Frank Gore. At least, like, I pray for your team already. (laughs) (laughs) Week three, and you need prayers and blessings. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about that San Francisco situation, though, because I mentioned Coleman's going to miss another three to six weeks with his high ankle sprain, probably more towards the six end. They promote Jeff Wilson from the practice squad. So you're thinking, all right, Matt Breda, going to be the running back one. He's going to get most of the work, like 60%. We're going to have Raheem Mostert, the mustard man, Dejan himself. And all of a sudden, you know, he's going to play like 30% of the snaps. He'll be used on some passing downs, or we'll see specific situations. Jeff Wilson, they'll mix him in, give him a carry or two. Nope, not what happens whatsoever. So here's what we're looking at in the San Francisco backfield from week two. Mostert actually plays 47% of the snaps. Breda plays 29%. Wilson plays 21%. But here's the catch. Wilson gets all the goal line work, which just really throws a big monkey wrench into this entire situation. Yeah, that was like so incredibly tilting, like at least from like a daily fantasy perspective, I had shares of both Raheem and Brita, but Wilson, man, right off the practice squad and crushing the dreams of everybody. But I mean, to be fair, like they all got a fair share of work here, like uh, 13 for Raheem, 12 for Brita, 
10 for Wilson, even though all the touchdowns. But this is kind of how it's always been with the 49ers, right? Like there's no, even with Coleman in the mix, like we always know it's going to be like this three-headed monster. It's just Coleman's not in the mix anymore. So on a week-to-week basis, I like to see how they use this more because obviously that game was a blowout uh, against the Bengals 41-17. to The Bengals, no chance in that game. So I'd rather see what they do in a close game and see how they kind of work it out then because I can't imagine Wilson's going to be constantly in the mix here. At least I don't want to believe that, but, you know, two touchdowns, you know, I wasn't right on that. Yeah. Not, none of us were. I, I want to give a special shout out to Dave D in the chat, calling him Colonel Mostart. That's pretty good. I, I, th- I think I might have to roll. That's not, that's not uh, Minshew Walk, but it's pretty close. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm going to steal that. Sorry. I, it, it's funny because the Colonel used to be Emmanuel Sanders because he was you know, Colonel Sanders. Right. And the reason he had Colonel so Sanders. many, yeah, when he had so many drops in Pittsburgh, because he was eating all that chicken. He had greasy things. Couldn't pull the ball down. <laughs> that, no longer the case with Emmanuel Sanders, who might be like up into the top 20 as it pertains to receiver this week. Any more running back thoughts from this week? We talked a little bit earlier about Carson. We talked about Josh Jacobs. Was there any other one? Like, are you worried that Cam being terrible, like actually hurts McCaffrey? Or is that like a one week blip for him? at least uh that feels like a one week blip i mean we've just seen so many good things from mccaffrey here and you know if newton's going to be hurting and sucking like he is like you just give it to the guy who's going to produce with mccaffrey here i mean cam has no arm strength it feels like so if he's going to be doing some quick check downs you know obviously cmc is the guy to do it to here so i'm not too worried about it it was disappointing but you know, from the grand scheme of things it was actually a pretty quiet week for running backs at least compared to week one this was more of a receiver week, but uh, I'm not too worried about it. If we get a second week of that, uh, then we got to start to worry here. But I think it's just a blip on the radar. Like, you don't worry about Kamara after his performance last week, right? So I'm in the same boat with CMC. I, I worry more about Kamara than I do about McCaffrey with the switch. From, I agree with that. With from Like, if you're switching from Breed to Teddy Throzevelt, then maybe it's a bit more of a concern. Maybe they lean on him <laughs> a little bit more, but maybe they also just lean on Latavius Murray, too. Like, the Saints still have one of the better offensive lines in the league. You can really pound the ball behind it. They just really weren't in a position to do that against the Rams after, you know, after they got the, it seemed like their whole week just went down the tubes as soon as they didn't get the Cam Jordan touchdown, which they should have got. But obviously, like yep. it seemed like their momentum just swung and they were dead in the water after that happened. I mean, if you're a believer in momentum, then that was definitely a killer for them. So I, I, I can I can see that. Um, more on Cam here in a second. I do want to let everyone know. 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel, the PME and DraftKings Facebook channel, and at the PME on Twitter. You can stream this show live every single Monday. Remember to give the show a thumbs up. And if you leave your DraftKings handle in the comments section and tell me your top five power-ranked NFL teams, you will be in a draw for 20 DK dollars, always available on demand after the fact as well. When I talked to Dr. Jesse Moore, who I have on every Friday show about the health of cam newton we both kind of talked about it's not so much the arm strength that i'm worried about with cam newton it's the foot that i'm worried about with cam newton because i think that's leading to a lot of his errant throws because a he's not running which is just should be a huge red flag to begin with uh and i i doesn't seem like he's able to plant well enough that he's just sailing these balls away it's not like he's short arming them he's just not accurate whatsoever that looks like old 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 cam newton not the cam that we've become accustomed to so i do think that if he can get a little bit healthier and maybe a foot injury is not something that can it depends on what the foot injury is because we haven't really heard about it if it's just a foot sprain 
he should be fine in two weeks. And you're going to know the moment when Cam starts running again that he's going to be okay. So if you own Cam on your team, I'm not playing him this week, although the matchup is really good at Arizona. I just don't trust his health situation. But he's not a drop for me. Like, you wouldn't drop Cam Newton yet, would you? No, I'm definitely not ready to drop Cam. But, yeah, only two rushing attempts last week, which is, you know, that should say everything right there, that he's not rushing the ball at all. And there was definitely opportunities for him to do so last week, too. That, what I think, was the biggest thing. Because, you know, when there's an opening, we've seen him go ham and go and, and, and take advantage of that. He definitely didn't do that last week here, too. But, yeah, like you said, he just hasn't been efficient with his throws. I think he had a 49% completion rate last week, and he threw the ball 51 times. So it's not like he wasn't throwing a lot in that game either. Definitely not a drop, but I, you know, if whoever's on your bench, obviously it's different for every team, right? I can't tell you who to play Cam over. I don't know what you have, but yeah, it's getting to the point now where you have to think about starting Cam every week now where, you know, he's always been an automatic. You don't even think about it. Set your lineups, lock it, and that's it. But he's getting to that point where you have to be worried about him. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't even think it's a question about whether you start him or not. I just think you don't start him. And it, once he flashes some health, it was almost like the David Montgomery thing this week. Like I wasn't playing David Montgomery this week uh, based on his snap share from week one and the amount of touches that he got. And he was lucky he got into the end zone because he had an awful game against the Broncos. Right. But it's one of those situations where you don't want him to actively hurt your lineup. But if he has a good week on your bench, then you're like, hey, this is good news. I can actually play this guy. It's going to be the same thing with Cam Newton. Or you can just start the new Cam Newton, Josh Allen, instead. Yes. And the, the most I don't know how you don't. I mean, oh, you do. We, you know, we were talking about how good he looked last week. And, you know, the rushing ability. Yeah, he's Cam Newton Jr. right now. I mean, I, 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 I love Allen. I've actually used him for the first time in DFS last week. Are you serious? I usually avoided him, but yeah, I usually never use him. Use and him I at, actually used them last week, and I was happy about it. There are a few people you should use on DraftKings every single week. Like, whenever Tyreek Hill is healthy, play Tyreek Hill because he has game-breaking potential. Uh, and Josh Allen's another one. Lamar Jackson might be another one, too. Like, if you're playing, like, five lineups, yeah. you have to allocate four to those two guys just because their rushing upside is so big that they can legit break a slate at any moment. And Josh Allen's always cheap, too. <laughs> yeah, he is really cheap. I mean, honestly, like... We saw both ends of the spectrum within last year. Like, he started off really slow. The end of the year, we really started to kind of come out here. And we're like, okay, if that's the Josh Allen we're going to see on a weekly basis, you know, we actually got something here. I was kind of looking to see if we were going to continue that this year. And after week one, I was like, okay, I'm going to him. Okay, let's move to wide receivers. The injuries that I have accounted for right now. Michael Gallup, he did finish the game, yet he's going for an MRI. We'll hear about the results for that. Devin Smith would be the pickup in his place if you're going to do that, at least for a deep threat. And Gallup has been looked really good so far, and they have Miami this week. So also, they might even keep him out a week just as a precautionary measure because they're favored by 20 and a half points against Miami. Uh, Traquan Smith Amazing. heard it. Traquan Smith hurt his leg towards the end of the Rams-Saints game. No word yet on him. A.J. Green expected to be out another one week to a month. Uh, he shed his walking boots. So that's a positive sign. We'll hear more about his return. Tyreek Hill uh, missed last week. Expected to miss another three to six weeks. And even as I talked about with Dr. Jesse Morse on the Friday show, this is an injury that he's not... He thinks can be re-aggravated even once it quote-unquote heals just because it was such a bizarre injury that he could be at risk for re-injury in this situation that once he comes back, you can't do any, anything with him right now. But you know how people get really giddy about a player once, like a really good player, once they're coming back from injury? That if you can wait out the six weeks, the week that he's coming back, if you can get full value for him, it might be a decent opportunity to shed that risk for a safer player at that time. Right now, you're just kind of stuck holding them. Alshon hurt his calf in the Sunday night 
Nighter. Deshaun Jackson hurt his groin in the Sunday Nighter. The rest of the Eagles are all hurt too. We'll have more word on that, but I don't like like soft tissue calf with Alshon Jeffrey. We've been down this road. It's usually a hamstring or a quad with him, so it's somewhere in the leg. Very true. It, it always just seems to impact him. And when you have a speedster like Deshaun Jackson, he hurts his groin. That's really going to hurt his overall upside. David Moore for the Seahawks should be back this week. He was questionable for week two, didn't play. Should be back for week three against the Saints. Albert Wilson's dealing with that calf injury as well in Miami. Um, no word yet on if he plays in Dallas this week. Trent Taylor with his foot in with the 49ers should be close. Sterling Shepard needs to pass concussion protocol. Uh, Benny Fowler ended up with 10 targets in his absence in week two. Obviously, it's just Ingram. Ingram and Shepard are the two that you want to play in the receiving game there, plus Barkley. They're the only Giants you should even consider touching at this point. Jalen, you heard in his back problem. He might be back next week. I don't know. Mark Easley missed the week two game against the Texans again with a knee injury. Uh, we'll see how that ends up going for him going forward. But uh, especially with Minshew Walk chucking him the ball, I don't know uh, how much glory there is for fantasy for Mark Easley, even if he does come back. So the actual rankings for the waiver wire pickup, uh, and not enough people picked up John Brown last week, Steve. He's number one in my power rankings. Uh, he's the must-add. There's, I think, two must-ads this week. Scary Terry McLaurin. Uh, he didn't get up yes. above 60% either. Those are two must-ads. But then you have DJ Chark, Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman, Geronimo Allison, Cortland Sutton, Debo Samuel, Devin Smith, and Nelson Aguilar. The Smith and Aguilar rankings are really predicated on uh, their starters missing time in front of them in this situation. But Brown, Scary Terry, and then... DJ Chark has just seemed to be – he seems to be ingrained in this offense even more than Didi at this point. That's the guy that they're turning to. Uh, so I might have to downgrade my love for Didi and upgrade my – we still need to work out the, uh, the the DJ Chark nickname. We, we, have the, we have Baby Chark. We have – what is the other one? Oh, yeah, Heart of Charkness, which I think I'm very prone to at this point. Chark Attack. Chark, Chark Bait. Chark bait, Sharknado. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of good team name opportunities if you own DJ Chark, and you probably should at this point. Plus, he has that big play potential, too. They will try to use him down the field. Would you go Demarcus Robinson or Hardman in this spot? Because Hill is going to be back. And I know that Robinson had the gigantic game, but like Watkins had the gigantic game yesterday. It seems like one week one of them could be really good. The other week one of them might not be good. It all depends on the game yeah. plan this week. That I don't have the highest amount of trust, but we know that there's substantial upside here. Yeah, and that's the thing with Demarcus Robinson. Obviously, you know, if, if you're getting somebody in the Chiefs' offense, I mean, where, where where does the ceiling end, really? I mean, Demarcus Robinson absolutely went off. You know, Watkins was a disappointment, but it's not like they weren't trying to give him the ball. He ended up getting 13 targets last week. So, you know, um, Mahomes was definitely trying to get him the ball. It's just Sammy Watkins. So you can't really expect much on a week-to-week basis. But I, I, I like Demarcus Robinson here, especially if that Ravens game is going to end up being a shootout. Um He's going to be a, a risky play each and every week talking about, you know, what he can produce. But in a offense with Patrick Mahomes, I have no reason why you can't like him here. I mean, obviously he phones in on one guy and, you know, that's just kind of what he does. But until at least Tyreek Hill comes back, there's lots of opportunities to be had here, even in an offense with Travis Kelsey, with Sammy Watkins. I like Robinson a lot in this in this spot. So you like Robinson more than Hardman. The hardest thing to like, the reason I like Brown, Scary Terry and Chark more as pickups this week is because I think that they have actual full season long value. It's not like someone is coming back to decrease their role in an offense. They're the guys 
they're the ones you should have. I, on like for the next two weeks or the next, as long as Tyreek Hill is out, both Chiefs receivers could be better than all of these guys, but there gets to a point where you have diminishing return on the value. So I think that all five of those guys are actually pickups if you need someone to play for like next week, but for season long, like thinking to week 14, 15, and 16, Brown and Scary Terry would be my two locks to actually be there at the end of the season and contributing to your fantasy roster. I'm going to make an assumption that if you're watching this show, then the league that you're in, John Brown's already gone. So we'll just wipe him off the board. No, no. It is we, scary, we, we, Terry. No, we, we, don't, we don't do it. See, you're making assumptions that just straight up aren't true. You're, you're worse than Sealy <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. It's like, well, doesn't everyone play in an 18-man league? No, they don't. The people are actively going online to find waiver wire advice in some leagues. Hey, of course, John Brown was probably drafted in your league. That, that's going to happen. He's the number one receiver on his own team. He should have been drafted. But when I go look at the ESPN uh, ownership, he's owned in 30% of leagues. Bukes like that. That's not a lot. That's crazy. So he's, yeah. he's available. Okay, so, I would, so John Brown is number one. So we'll say that. I do like Scary Terry a lot, though. Like He's someone that I'm actively trying to get myself. I don't know how crazy I am about his matchup against the Bears this week. And that's a Monday night game, too. So I don't know if I want to be relying on him, if you, especially if you're behind. But he quickly put together like a really solid line in week two. Five catches, 62 yards, and the touchdown on nine targets. He's a really good route runner, too. I really like that. Like we saw there was one play against Byron Jones in coverage. He broke away for a 27-yard gain. He just looks solid. Like he looks like he's already an, an NFL player in this um, in this offense here. In a Redskins one that's being taken over by Case Keenum, who actually hasn't been too bad so far. But yeah, Scary Terry was my number one, uh, assuming that jo- Brown was gone. But if, if they're both available, it's Brown and then Scary Terry. Yeah, so those are the those are the big five. I think this week you can find the entire list up on DK Playbook or check the comment section or description of this video or podcast, and you can find the entire list of twenty five. I think it's really we need to like beat down on everything. But if Gallup does miss time, I do like Devin Smith. And although Debo Debo Samuel didn't see the snap share like mm-hmm. he saw in Week One, he, outside of Kittle, like he's the best part of this passing game. He really is. Which I and I just trying to figure out this thing with Pettis because like we even talked about a little bit in week one like it looked like he was going to be the number one and like he's like number five at this point like he's just getting absolutely nothing here but yeah Samuel looked great uh, I I like Debo coming in but I was a little down on him because I thought Dante Pettis was going to be the number one here so yeah Debo Samuel's if he's going to keep working out the ranks he's definitely someone to look at but I definitely like the other guys ahead of him uh, especially for season long. Yeah, and Pettis is, I mean, not Pettis, sorry, Samuel's probably someone that's actually available in some of these deeper leagues. Maybe not, but like he's yep. around like 6% owned. And I assume all those 6% are like deeper leagues where you take a flyer on a guy with substantial upside uh, and in a situation where he could really excel and become a number one in this offense just because everything's so cluttered. For full snap shares, I'm looking at it right now. Marquise Goodwin played the most snaps of any 49ers receiver at 51%. Dante Pettis was 49%. Richie James, 46%. Debo Samuel, 40%. Kendrick Bourne, 32%. I know they got up by a ton in this game. That's just a weird cluster. It's like, yeah, Mar- Marquise Goodwin, um, yeah, he, he's on the field 51% of the time. Like, it's hard to start any of those guys. Plus, Trent Taylor is going to be back into the mix very soon. Yep. Uh, and Jalen Yaherd is going to be back in the mix pretty soon, too. Is that someone needs to emerge here, at least from the guys on the outside. I actually think that Taylor has kind of a lockdown on the slot role, uh, that he might be a sneaky, in the Cole Beasley sense or the Hunter Renfro sense, that he's someone that you could go pick up. Uh, he's sort of like the Chris Thompson of wide receivers, potentially, that you know, if you just need a few catches for a few yards 
every single week as your flex in a deeper league. He's someone to go get. But Samuel, I do think, actually has substantial upside, but he's probably not someone you'll want to play until he establishes himself, which might not be until like week seven, week eight, but hell, maybe even week 12. And by then, he's been useless on your team all year. Yeah, the 49ers offense is kind of tough to figure out. Like we talked about the running back situation. Even talk about the receivers here. Like Richie James had four targets. You know, Goodwin had three. Samuel had seven. Uh, Just didn't even draw a target here. Like it just feels like there's a lot of moving pieces in here that I don't know. I feel confident on a week-to-week basis to start any of these guys until they really kind of carve out a more solidified role here. I would like Samuel to have a more solidified role. I think he's one of the more talented ones here, but then like you said too, when Taylor comes back too as well, that's going to kind of re- throw a wrench into everything. So I think it's a lot to be seen before the, we really get a uh, idea about this offense. Uh, tight ends, the injury report, Vernon, Di- Vernon, Divis. Vernon Davis heard his eye. He returned <laughs> to the game though. Still no word on whether Jordan Reed will play next week or retire next week, but he's still dealing with the dizzies. He's got concussion problems, so we don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, Eleanor Higby, Tyler Higby, uh, hurt his lung, so he's probably going to miss next week for the Rams, which does open up at least you know a, a one-week trial for Gerald Everett. Uh, I still wouldn't be like super high on him. Hunter Henry uh, expected to miss at least four Four weeks or the entire season no one's really super sure on how much time he's gonna miss but uh i would expect him to be probably be out for the season so i wouldn't worry too much about him you can drop him dallas goddard hurt his calf like before the game as they like the entire eagles team ran out onto the field and he was walking out yeah. onto the field then he didn't play that was just super strange so Odd. Pickups wise for tight ends, there's no one like you need to go get, but I have Greg Olson at number one. It seems like if any game that Greg Olson is doing really well in, it seems like the Panthers are going to be losing. So that's not super great news, Uh, but he's just a safety valve for Cam at this point, but he's number one. Uh, Walt Disley, creator of Mickey Mouse, number two. Uh, He actually played this week. (laughs) Vernon Davis, Eric Ebron, Jason Witten, uh, Jack Doyle. You can stash Chris Herndon. He might be coming back coinciding with Sam Dartled, which I think would make him a fringe top 10 guy at that point jimmy graham noah fant mike gusecki i'm not super excited by any of these guys hopefully you didn't drop josh or vance mcdonald last week <laughs> whoops yeah wasn't a good move <laughs> everyone everyone who dropped vance mcdonald and picked up tj hawkinson uh, did not super enjoy how their week two went <laughs> I knew you were going to throw a TJ Hawkinson in there. I was just waiting for the tight end section because I know how much you love him. Um, I was actually surprised that Olsen was on the list because I just assumed that he would be higher owned than he actually is. So no, no, wait, 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 what, what you're thinking of is 2011 fantasy football leagues. No, for sure. But I, I mean, with the minefield that is tight end, I, I don't know. I figured he'd be a little higher owned than he is. But, you know, 18 targets the past two weeks, six receptions, 100 yards versus the Buccaneers. Now he's going against the Cardinals this week. They've been dismantled by opposing tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, and Hayden Hurst. So now we got Greg Olson coming in here. No reason why he can't do some damage in this one here. Obviously, the health of Cam Newton has been a concern. We kind of hit on that too. But if Olson's available out of all the tight ends that are available, I think he makes the most sense in this spot here. Yeah, like I'm not dropping. Like I mean, last week we had this discussion. I I believe you went with Hawkinson. I went with Waller. I feel pretty good about that for the rest of the season. I'm not going to lie to you. No, for sure. And uh, I, I think Hawkinson was my guy. I'm a little, I'm a little not as high on him now because I think he's starting to show that that rookie tight end thing is kind of creeping up there. But 
Hawkinson still got the hands. I love Hawkinson overall, but I'll take the L for this week. Yeah, well, just the, the I'm not like as I said, I'm not dropping TJ Hawkinson at all. But I think what you said is super sharp against Arizona. Like the common attributes, I mean, Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown. That's literally all he did in that game. But if you look at Andrews right. and you look at Hawkinson, you're looking at big, speedy physical receivers tearing up Arizona. And I don't know if Greg Olson's still that guy. I mean, he's 989 years old, and he looks like Dexter from the show Dexter. Ooh. Yeah. I, I'd never noticed that, actually. He, does. he actually really does. Yeah. But he doesn't have that killer mentality. No? Well, maybe he will in this game. I don't know. But I think it's like a one-week plug-and-play if you need someone. Like, people, like, own Jimmy Graham for whatever reason because he accidentally caught a touchdown in week one. Like, you don't need to own Jimmy Graham. He's dust. Yes. No, I, I mean, he's so touchdown reliant. Like, it's like owning uh, Jason Witten. You're hoping for a touchdown, and that's pretty much all you're going to get out of it. I mean, at least Jimmy Graham's really tall, so he can jump up for those touchdowns. Witten's not that tall. He can't even jump at this point. His vert, like, with his, like... I saw him jump in week one. Yeah, he had, like, I a... Saw, it might like, not have been... His it wasn't pretty, but it was a jump. I, I, was, I was even going to compare his vert to mine, but I think that's too generous. His vert's like yours. You've never seen me do vert. Do you do you want do you want to have a jumping contest me versus you? I'll fly wager. Me out. I'll wager. I I'll yeah I'll fly you up here, but you have to bet me the price of the plane plane ticket plus another two thousand bucks. We'll have a jump off. How about that? I'll think about it. All right. I'm, I'm not I'm not giving you inches either here on the vert. There's no spread. Uh, all right. We'll 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 come back to this and we'll circle back around. I, I gotta I gotta do some keto diet first. All right, just maybe just do some plyometrics. That's probably the way that you want to attack this one. <laughs> and don't break your leg like Jimmy Graham did, and therefore you can't jump anymore. Uh, QBs. That's very true. QBs to stream in week three. Uh, guess who's number one again? Because no one owns him. Mini Cam Newton, Josh Allen at home. Home opener at the Ralph against Cincinnati. I'm worried about that game for the Bills, but I do like Josh Allen. Jameis Winston, everyone dropped him after week one, didn't pick him up for week two. He gets the Giants at home. So that's a nice spot. Yeah. Kirk Cousins against Oakland, Matt Stafford against Philly, who's just devoid of healthy people now. So maybe he can do something. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo against Pittsburgh, Jacoby Brissett against Atlanta, and then you're into Trubisky, Throzevelt, and Minshew, who you definitely probably don't want to start. You could probably throw Mason Rudolph into that mix too, but I would go Allen, Winston, Cousins. Those guys are available. If you needed a deeper guy, Brissett is still out there in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I, I think totally agree with that. I mean, Allen makes a lot of sense. We've, we've talked about him extensively already, but Winston's pretty interesting because the Giants have absolutely no secondary. Like, you know, Mike Evans has six inches on Janoris Jenkins. Like, this should be a big bounce back spot for their offense, but I feel like we say that every week, so, you know, who the hell knows. But at least on paper, this is a really good matchup for Winston here. This is a game that they should be able to win single-handedly. No issues here, so I like Winston a lot here as well. He's going to have to figure it out at some point. Like, I don't even believe myself when I say that because we were promised this new Jameis Winston coming into the 2019 season, and we've seen the absolute same shit every week. I, I can't figure it out. I really can't figure it out. But I, I like Winston a lot against the Giants. That's a good plug and play. Yeah, I like Winston for the rest of the season. Like, he, he should be fine. They have a pretty easy quarterback schedule. Fine. Listen, I... I'm 2-0 with the league where Jameis Winston's my starting quarterback, so he was going in the 13th round. You can just continue to roll him out there. Like, if Josh Allen's available, I would play Josh Allen over him, but I still think that he's going to be capable. He gets it figured out. Anyone that's concerned out there about Mike Evans, don't be. He's going to be fine. The targets are still there. Chris Godwin. Like, in the Thursday nighter, if Mike Evans just catches that touchdown, no one is worried about him anymore. He drops it, and all of a sudden, oh, my God, what do I do with Mike Evans? Like, 
you have to look at the situation. You have to look at the volume and try to project that out. And from everything that I can tell, Mike Evans is going to be absolutely fine. No, and, you know, this is definitely the week for him to get right. Him, Godwin, everybody in this offense here. Because, I mean, I guess you could really say that they've been a massive disappointment for the not, first two well, weeks of the well, year. Well, not really Godwin. Godwin has been excellent through two weeks. <laughs> no, he has. But I, I guess I guess I was talking about the offense in a whole. Like, because, I mean, quite honestly, Godwin's the number one receiver at this point, right? Like, and it's definitely not Evans. Evans is doing absolutely nothing. But I, I think Evans is in a good bounce back spot here. Winston is someone I would definitely feel comfortable streaming in this matchup. The Giants just have nothing going on. I do think you have Kirk Cousins too high, though. Really? Kirk Cousins against Oakland? Like, the, eventually, like, the, the Diggs and Thielen combination have to be good enough to overcome his deficiencies. Yes, but has he shown that yet? No, no, he hasn't. But, like, look at the rest of the names on this list. Like, do you really want to play? Like, Stafford's only that high because he's I would at play Stafford first. Yeah, maybe. Over Cousins. Maybe. Like, I just don't see. Like, at least Stafford has looked okay. Like, he, he's nothing great. But if I'm comparing Stafford to Cousins, like, that's kind of a no-brainer for me. I'm taking Stafford nine times out of ten. I, I can be talked off of that. I'll, when, I, when I cook up my runner, my quarterback rankings uh, for week two, I'll do that on Tuesday morning, and then I'll hash it out with Jake Seeley. Uh, you might see, based on your your guidance, I might have Stafford over Cousins, and maybe I'll have Garoppolo well, especially over How Cousins bad did too. the Eagles secondary look last night? Oh, it's horrible. You know? like, the, the Eagles, like that's the right. reason to play overs against them, but it's still Stafford. He still has to make those throws. Like, Maybe Marvin Jones finally gets going, but it can't just be Kenny Galladay doing all the work in this off. Maybe Hawkinson rebounds again this week. I don't know. <laughs> Your boy, it might be. And, and to be fair, Marvin Jones didn't have a terrible week on Sunday. Like he he was there for a couple deep shots. Yeah, which didn't connect. Uh, I thought he had. A, I'll have to go back. I, I thought he had a. Okay. I, you know, I don't care. Stafford over Cousins. All right. Uh, streaming defenses for the week. Uh, if you have these guys are available in more than less than their own in less than 60% of leagues. Somehow Dallas, which should have been the number one defense drafted based on their first three week schedule. They get Miami at home. Miami. Good for fantasy defenses playing against them. Uh, they're probably available in any competitive league. I would think so because they're like 58 percent owned or something the 49ers um at home against pittsburgh i might actually move tennessee up to number two the more i think about it i just mm. Minshew walk didn't look great and tennessee's actually actively getting at the pass uh, at the uh, quarterback right now and the jags gave up a few sacks against the texans so tennessee probably my number two san francisco green bay against denver at home indianapolis tampa bay against the giants houston at the chargers they're just so depleted right now like they didn't look right on sunday and then washington against chicago you probably don't have to scum down that far but you know in deeper leagues who knows but dallas tennessee san francisco would be my top three and then the packers yeah, I was thinking more Dallas, Green Bay, then Tennessee. I, I I just like Rudolph a bit more. I think he's actually really going to do well against his 49ers defense. You know, obviously it's a very small sample size, but I liked a lot what I saw last week. Dallas by far, like no question, the number one. But the Packers defense has been a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Joe Flacco and his wobbly passes, you know, I don't even know he knows where he's throwing or who he's throwing at half the time. If it's not Emmanuel Sanders, it feels like it's nobody. But uh, I like Green Bay a little bit more than you do, I think. It's just a situation where I can see Green Bay – like they're favored by eight in this game. I believe that's what the spread yep. is. Um, I just 
it seems like their big strike capability isn't there right now. Maybe that completely changes. Uh, maybe it was the Mitch Trubisky effect because Oakland didn't seem to have any problems moving the ball against them, and maybe that will be the same case for the Packers. But if this game stays close, I can just see it being a running battle back and forth, just a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of Jamal Williams, and a lot of Freeman and Lindsey on the other side of the ball. And in games, I want, like, even if they're going to give up points, I'd still rather have my defense facing someone who's going to pass the ball 50 times rather than try to run the ball 50 times. And I think that could be the case if I'm trying to project out that game in my mind of how it goes, that the situation yep. could be in that sense. I know the Jags will try to run the ball against Tennessee, but they haven't been super effective running the ball. And then if you have Minshew walk running around like a crazy person, you're like, I think he fumbled three times, but only lost one against the Texans. <laughs> he got sacked a bunch. He's going right. to be actively running. Like he's prone to mistakes here. <laughs> yes. No, for sure. Uh, it's close, but it's like, it's so Dallas. Like it's not even a question. Like I was shocked that they were actually on the list. So was I, I was actually hoping that the Chargers were going to make the list, but I guess they're a little more owned than I thought they were because that Texans offensive line is an absolute joke. Well, I don't think Watson's going to make it through a full season. He's getting annihilated back there. I think he's been sacked eight times already. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on week two and or the waiver wire before we just briefly touch on the week three spreads? Oh, I think we covered it. I think we, we did a good job and uh, Stafford over Cousins. I mean, that's a pretty liberal use of the word good, but, you know, it was a job. That's pretty good. And it was a job well done. Eh, maybe. It's, it's iffy. Hey, internet connection is good, baby. That, that's good. You are correct. It's much better than last week. I mean, your, your takes were probably fired. Just no one could understand what you were saying. Because it was like, ah, <laughs> That's very true. Gordon. Um, should we talk about Antonio Brown? I was dead wrong about him. This week, I, ju I just thought he wasn't going to play the snaps, but it looks like they actively wanted to force feed him the ball. And it was very curious to me, and maybe this is just Miami being stupid, but they used Xavier and Howard on Josh Gordon to lock him down. Like, their one good shutdown corner they used on Josh Gordon, which I don't know if it is telling going forward, but I just thought it was very curious in that situation, knowing that Brown was out there and they were actively looking to get him touchdowns. Well, to me, it was like, if you go by the Patriots mentality, Brown's new, needs to learn the playbook, so the snap count wasn't going to be there, but it was. So I think maybe that just goes to show that, I mean, obviously Bill Belichick's probably covered him for years. I mean, why wouldn't with a guy with his type of talent? But I mean, I was tapping him from maybe, you know, three catches, you know, 45, 60 yards, somewhere around there. But he just, yeah, they were force feeding him here. It's like, I don't know if it's because they're worried about if they're going to be able to use him later on or whatever, or maybe this was more like a practice for them, just see what they can get against this future defense. But yeah, I didn't have any Brown in uh, like a DFS or anything like that. And, and uh, he really shut up a lot of people. He looked fantastic. Uh, last two things, uh, just breaking news before we get to these spreads. One, James Conner's knee is, quote, not serious. So I'll probably even bump down Jalen okay. Samuels a little bit if Conner's going to be fine. Then he's a handcuff to have, but he's not a start by any means. So Chris Thompson would move ahead of him in the week to pick up power rankings, especially if you need someone to play this week. And here's a not good thing related to this Antonio Brown stuff. A second accuser alleges misconduct by Brown. Now, that's just a report that came out, but that is not good news for his his ability to stay off the commissioner's exemption list, because I know that they have a meeting potentially with his first accuser sometime this week, and he could be suspended yep. at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to act like I know how I, any of this stuff works. With me. Yeah. This, this just popped but up I, on my feed, but like, it's not, 
if you take this from a strictly do you play this guy next week or not if he plays I guess you play him but there's a chance he doesn't play at this point yeah I mean obviously we have a lot to work in but I guess the reason he wasn't put on the exemption list because it's not a criminal case I mean I'm not gonna act like I know what they're talking about but I thought that was the reasoning why he was able to play uh in week two Yes, it was. But it seems like the NFL makes up its own rules as it goes along. And potentially if they meet with the situation and gather more uh, evidence on the situation or hear the stories that they can change their mind at a moment's notice. So he's not out of the water uh, from a suspension standpoint or even a civil lawsuit standpoint, apparently right now. Uh, But just keep monitor that news. uh, So maybe we'll know more within the next day. So when I do the ranking show with Sealy, we'll have a more concrete example about whether or not he should be in the rankings higher, lower, or just use Josh Gordon. I don't know. It's, it's not a super fun thing to talk about, to tell you the truth. I would say real quick though, if he is out, I think Philip Dorsett, if he's available, would be an interesting pickup. He was even in the mix during week two, but his target share would obviously go up if Brown's out of the mix. Yep, uh, I would actually agree with that. If it, it does look like he's going to be suspended, I'll add Philip Dorsett the second. He's a, he's a real fancy man. The second Ooh, comes from a lot that. of money, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the only people you hear with the second are NFL receivers and golfers. So. Right. <laughs> But spreads, early week three spreads, the big one. It's now minus 21 for the Cowboys, by the way, at home against the Dolphins. I even might, ta- I might say screw it and take the minus 21. I mean, I, I, was sh- I knew it was going to be big, but I, I mean, it's bigger than the, what the Patriots was. The Patriots closed at 19, I think it was. And- yeah, and they won 43 <laughs> to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well the big thing is like I mean, I, e- even if they're not covering for most of the game ryan fitzpatrick will throw a pick six to help you cover the spread yeah i i mean i don't want to take it but i do kind of want to take it like the the sick-minded part of me wants to take that minus 21 and root for it and feel like it's going to happen like until they show something i don't know how you don't take it at this point like zeke's going to run ham in the first half it'll probably be pollard in the second half because they won't even need zeke anymore but i mean it feels obtainable as crazy as it is yeah it's kind of nuts that the the one that scares me the most if i was a bills fan is bills minus six at home against the Bengals. like the bills just constantly lose to the Bengals every single time they play them and who have the bills really played i know cincinnati's not very good but all the talk is now uh, at least in the media market that i am and the people that i talk to it's like oh definitely three and oh have a chance to knock off the patriots at home in week four they could be leading the division but like this is a classic just overlook this game i know it's the home opener but the bills are just like i love them. they were my super lock last week you had to lay two points for them to beat the giants that's great you know, they were underdogs week one to beat the Jets. And they barely beat the Jets in week one. I know those are two road teams, but those are two bad teams. The Bengals, they could be Jekyll and Hyde. They could be good. They could be bad. But six points is just a lot for them to cover when you know that Allen's probably going to have two disastrous turnovers at some point. And to be fair, Andy Dalton's looked pretty sharp. Like, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but, like, Razor Andy has been looking pretty good. And John Ross is finally showing that he is a capable receiver doing it so fast down the field but i kind of like this one too if it gets a little bit higher i think i would shy away from but i think we're actually at the limit now where if it gets any higher than six i i'd be staying away but i still kind of like this at six for the bills yeah 
I like the Bills objectively more as a team than the Bengals, especially the defense, which can really give Andy Dalton fits. That pass rush comes. Everyone's still banged up on the Bengals' offensive line. It's just, it seems very trappy to me. So I, I don't have a, yeah. I, 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 it's probably just going to be one of those situations like the Monday Nighter that just, it's a stay away for me, unless I can really dive in to figure out some more information. The only one that I actually kind of really like so far, at least on the betting board that I see so far, is I like the Bucks minus six and a half at home against the Giants. Yeah, that seems a little too low. Like, I think that easily could have been higher because, like I said, they just have no secondary. Like, the Bucks should be able to dismantle the Giants in this spot here. So that was actually one of the ones I wrote down. I do like that one a lot, too. Jacksonville, underdog, one and a half points. What do you think about that one? I actually That one caught my eye, too. I, I like the Titans in that game, to tell you the truth. Yeah? Yeah. Uh I think that I don't the, know. The, okay, there should legit be a like you, you can have like the red zone direct TV feed. You can have this game. You can have that team. There should just be a camera set up on the Jag sidelines at all times so I can watch the fights that happen. Like the big difference, like Jacksonville is the more talented team than Tennessee, but Tennessee is just disciplined. Like they're a very bleh type team. They're very average in a lot of places or like solid in a lot of places, but not great where Jacksonville is great in some spots, but they don't have the temperament to actually keep things going. And like we've seen Derrick Henry just annihilate this defense over and over and over. I would just expect the same thing to happen again. And the game never got away from them against the Texans just because like Bill O'Brien was doing fun things like calling third and 19 draws that would just lead to a punt. Like at least with Tennessee, I think that they'll keep the chains moving a little bit more, at least milk the clock down that I think they're solid enough in all facets, especially on defense, that I don't know how much uh, Gardner Minshew is really going to get going here. It's just, it's so, I mean, it's near a pick obviously, at this point. So, it, uh, but you know, you are right about Henry. I didn't really factor into that one. I'm going to throw one more at you. I want your opinion on this one. Jets 17 and a half? No, absolutely not. I, no. I mean, I, I want to see them play first at least once, but yeah. The Jets aren't good, man. They weren't I mean, good. I, the Jets weren't good with Sam way, Darnold, so they're gonna be they're gonna be okay with Trevor Simeon. Pass. Well, the, so it's close to what it was with the Dolphins, right? The Jets are more talented than the Dolphins. Yeah, like, and the Dolphins lost by forty three points. <laughs> I just I, I looked at that one and I'm like, they're not as bad as the Dolphins. Like it can't. I, yeah, it's Monday. It's still early. Yeah. So tune in. <laughs> but I do want to see first tonight. Yeah, two, that would that would help. Uh, tune into the. I actually just bet the uh, the, the Bucks game minus six and a half. I, I mean that's that's an early oh, contender for my super lock. But I'm going to be in on that one this week. Tune in Wednesday morning with myself and Tim Andacust and Jeff Feinberg to find out who we're all on. Or maybe it's the coin that tickles your fancy. Coin had a really good week picking games after a disastrous week one, but that show will come out on Wednesday morning. So make sure you're subscribed to the Pat Mayo Experience then. Steve Buchanan, tell everyone where they can find your work and follow you on the Twitter machines. Yep, so uh, right here at DraftKings, S Buchanan 24 on the old Twitter machine there. Find me on DK Live as well. And Pat, it's good to see you in HD for a change. Yes, it's, it's very nice. I'm glad to be able to hear you this week as well. So we'll see you <laughs> next Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right here again. Watch it live. You can always listen to the audio podcast after the fact. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, smash the like button on the video on your way out. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and list your five 
power-ranked team so far in the NFL. Or subscribe to the Audio Pat Mayo Experience podcast. Rate five stars. Leave your DraftKings handle and say something nice about the show. You, too, will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. Rankings tomorrow. We got golf later today. Spread picks on Wednesday. UFC, DraftKings breakdown, challenge, updates, live show Sunday. So much going on on the Pat Mayo Experience. I'm glad you're coming along for the ride. Remember to download those shows, too. You know, if we can get to 50 million downloads. Either way, good luck on the waiver wire. Good luck in week three. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!